Welcome to Day Zero Update for March 13th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Jan Red Victoria. And yeah, this is the worst day of the year where time is stolen from us. Yep. Daylight savings day in the spring. Yeah. Unless you're in one of those few states where it's no longer applicable. Yeah, Arizona. In which case, it was just not. Sunday. <laughs> well, it is the day where all of their TV schedule changes. Yep. Uh, so things are used to having happen one hour. Now mm. maybe happening, uh, what would it be, later, I guess? I mm-hmm. forget. But yeah, if you watch anything on a regular schedule that does not, mm. isn't scheduled around your local schedule, then uh, you're in trouble in a few other places. But yeah, that is, uh, that is the, 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 the bad thing about today. But we got a, a big slate of news here for this week. We had a state of play with a bunch of stuff to talk about there. Mm-hmm. A few really interesting things and some stuff we already know about. But we'll talk more about that a bit later. There's some more interesting news in the games industry versus Russia. Mm-hmm. Stuff that is continuing to go on. Uh, a couple of the big platforms have pulled out, uh, as well as some delays in a way that you can help and get some games in the process, mm-hmm. uh, as well as a number of other things that have been happening. Uh, a few games getting dates here, one that's pretty surprising. Uh, we have more news on GTA 5 on the new consoles because now we know how much that'll cost. Mm-hmm. And they figured out another way to get out millions and millions here. So we'll tell you all about that in a little bit. But before we get to all of that, we'll talk about what we've been playing. And I will kick it off here. Uh, I've beaten Farlone Sales, mm-hmm. the sort of indie game about controlling this kind of ship of sorts. It's kind of a wheeled vehicle that's very much shaped like a, a whale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are sort of moving in a linear sort of side-scrolling fashion as you're kind of taking a look at the the sights and all that, uh, occasionally running into uh, obstacles that usually involves you solving some fairly simple puzzles to move on to the next thing or installing new stuff on your ship so that, so that you have things like sails that you can, you know, use uh, the wind to help propel yourself or get a way to repair parts of your ship if you crash and damage it, Uh, as well as some other stuff along the way. Um, That game is very good. It also has a nice nice ending. It was a bit shorter than I was expecting it to be, so I played uh, two hours in the first stream of that and then came back to finish it, expecting to be like another hour or so. Uh, It ended up being like 30 minutes, which I would have... Just kept going uh, the last time if I knew that. Mm. Uh, but the How Long to Beat was trying to say it was like three and a half hours. And I was like, that's probably a little little long, uh, but maybe three hours would be good. Uh, so that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, ended up moving on to Far Changing Tides, the game that just came out, the sequel. That is a really good sequel to that game. So uh, it's not the same character. I believe I believe this one is a boy compared to a girl in the previous game. Well, they don't really tell you anything about the people you control, but the uh, the character in the first game uh, has a 
sort of a dress or skirt of some kind that uh, when you're dropping from high places, the skirt kind of turns into an umbrella of sorts and slows your descent so you can land safely. And this one, they don't have anything like that. Could still be a, a girl or a boy, whatever, but there's no nothing really story-wise to tell you oh. that you're controlling, but uh, you do come upon this ship, and as the title might tell you, this is more of a water-filled uh, sort of a world that you're traveling in. So the ship can float on water. Uh, you get some upgrades over the course of the game where you get to... Uh, you get... Well, it starts with sails. You get an engine to it so that you can, you know, power it, which it's done in a very different way. In the original game, you just threw, like, wooden crates or barrels of fuel or whatever into the ship, uh, into the this part of the ship that converted it into fuel. Uh, this time it's more kind of like coal-style uh, fuel that you're converting things into. So as you turn on the engine, you are kind of jumping on like a, I don't know how, how to describe, like a, a thing that seems to like fuel up the fire, you know, kind of like a, a xylophone kind of thing, or not xylophone, a accordion mm-hmm. kind of thing that you, you use to push air through the fire to heat it up. And then it uses the, the, the fuel to fuel it. You have a meter that you're kind of messing with there. So if you, kind of pump it up a bit and then let it go. Uh, either you run out of fuel or it's sort of fire is burnt, burns out. The thing I figured out in the, the second stream of this game is that the water hose you can use to put out the fire in the engine. So if you need to stop right away and don't want it to keep burning for a bit, conserve fuel. Uh, but you do get some interesting upgrades to the ship. One that lets you turn it into a submarine, essentially. Uh, lets you sort of sink under the water, which you need for good chunks of that game. You do get an addition on the back end of your ship that is sort of a salvage crane. Occasionally you find these sort of, uh, I don't know, like underground, underwater chests, I guess, the way that they functionally work. Uh, you go and take your, your hook down, attach it, and then sort of pull it up, and it breaks up into an item that you can use for fuel. That kind of stuff. They have achievements for, I think, find six of them. So I think I'm pretty close on that. Uh, But I'm playing that on Xbox Series S, since that is on Game Pass. Uh, Let's see. They also add the ability to kind of get a boost. As uh, on your meter when you're pumping up the fire, there's a, the last part of it is blue. If you pump it up to there, you're sort of building up this energy meter that's, uh, once it fills up, you can get this sort of blue energy boost to your speed or up on the surface. Uh, you get a good boost of speed there. That is uh, pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it does some damage to your engine, so you might have to repair afterwards. So you have to be careful of that stuff. The maintenance of the ship is not as much of a thing. They're much more lenient if you bump into things, but uh, there are some parts of the ship that can get damaged. So they, instead of having like a part of the the ship that you get installed as like a repair bay, uh, they give you essentially like uh, gas canisters, but they have repair juice or whatever. You just 
grab it and bring it to the area that needs repair, like your sails. It'll, you know, buzz for a bit as it's doing its thing, and then you lose a pip that's on the the front of it. It's like a it's like a circle divided into six pips in it, uh, like a pizza. You use one for each each repair job you do with it. So there's kind of a lot to it, but having played about four hours or so of it now, it's been a joy to play because it's since you go underwater, they've built some really cool uh, stuff under the water. Lots of good visuals. I've run, uh, seen whales going around a few times. There's one cool mm-hmm. area where there's jellyfish, glowing jellyfish underwater when you're going around at night. Uh, they have some fun little bits where you're going a big tunnel you're going through as you're solving these puzzles and such. Uh, there's, it's just a, it's a really well designed game. And for a game where it's essentially a linear sort of adventure, there's a lot of unique assets to it that they've built out. Uh, in a way that's, I wouldn't have said the same thing about the first game because it's, that was about two and a half hours to get as much time to really see, you know, a lot from it. There are definitely some cool areas, uh, but this one kind of just feels like there's a lot more ambitious stuff. Some of the surface areas you go to and do some stuff like early on, you're piloting a train of sorts, which is sort of a tutorial for how to power the engine on that thing, on that ship. They just do a lot of cool stuff with there. That's really finishing it on stream. Uh, that's one I would recommend checking out on Game Pass. It's on, I believe it's on Steam. It's on PlayStation, Xbox, and Switch. So you can pretty much play it wherever you want to play it. And it's really well worth it. We're checking out the first game as well, if you haven't done that, uh, to kind of get an idea of sort of where they first started with this idea. Uh, but the second game is really kind of where they're pulling into their own and doing a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so there's that. Uh, let's see. Also been playing some more Rocket League. The new season just started. And yeah, I've been enjoying that. So the the new vehicle is been taking me some time to get used to how it controls because it is essentially of the it's like a beetle archetype. There's a archetype, there's a a vehicle that's in one of the base sets that is essentially kind of like this kind of beetle shaped vehicle that is, you know, kinda has some wheel uh, a little bit hard to describe, but it's a interesting kind of roundish kind of vehicle and uh, this is more of that but more of a van uh, so it's kind of a, a roundish kind of van that's interesting design but it controls a bit differently the vehicles i've been using using lately uh, so that's kind of a, a bit of a challenge there because it just controls weird but it's a good vehicle for just running into people bumping them around all that kind of stuff still have to get the the hang of how to do aerials and all this kind of stuff with it, but I'm getting the hang of it. Uh, but yeah, this the season the theme is animated, so the mm-hmm. a lot of the cosmetic stuff they have to add on to this game is kind of more cartoonish looking. So there's some neat stuff in there. Spending some more time with that. Uh, let's see. Also been playing Ollie Ollie World. I made it into the second zone there. Been working my way through that. Uh, and also been going back to the first world and kind of trying to complete some of the challenges I've been skipping over. Uh, so still enjoying that. Uh, let's see. I'm playing more Gran Turismo 7. Just kind of, that's a, it's a very nice kind of chill racing game as you're not really trying to 
I don't know. There's not really a ton of huge things to do in that, at least early on. It's a lot of just getting your your objectives for the current like menu book that you get, completing the races, and kind of uh, checking out when you need to. It's a good game for just popping in and out uh, for a bit. I've been doing a lot of stuff with the licenses, trying to get the uh, gold medals for the the B license, while also dipping into the A license and trying those out a bit. So still been enjoying that. And uh, the last thing here, I've beaten the Kirby and the Forgotten Lane demo. It's on the Switch. Uh, enjoyed that a lot. And so, yeah, it's it's very much a 3D version of the, uh, maybe the more recent Kirby games on the 3DS uh, and the way that they're designed and all that. The I don't know how all of these stages fit into the campaign itself. The first stage, I assume, is the first stage in the game. Uh, so they throw you... Uh, well, the opening movie, it shows like Kirby on his planets as these like portals open up in the skies and start sucking everything up. Uh, the Waddle Dees and blocks and uh, enemies and such, creatures and such, throw them in there. Kirby is also among the people that get thrown into it, to this other world that very much is like a post-apocalypse Earth of cool. sorts. Um, but yeah, you, sh- you just wash up on this beach like Crash Bandicoot style, the way the first <laughs> Crash Bandicoot starts. Mm-hmm. You're on this beach, and like, uh, I, I guess I'll go in, into this forest and see what's going on here. Kind of thing. And they throw you into the mouthful mode pretty quickly. Uh, for that, so they have you do the car stuff first. Uh, I think you get to the uh, the vending machine uh, in that level as well, and I think the last one is the traffic cone, which is essentially just a a butt stomp uh, equivalent. There, as you just jumping and you can hit a button to essentially turn your cone head upside down and slam into the ground. You know, taking out enemies or breaking up stuff. For that, community, they throw a couple of bigger enemies there that are essentially turtles if they had, like, a concrete shell. Community has cracks on it, so you just, you know, butt stomp on the cracks and break it open and defeat the turtle kind of thing. So uh, the last stage is a pure boss fight stage. Uh, It's sort of an abandoned mall that you go through. You run to the boss, which is just a a giant gorilla, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you just take. I think, I think each of the 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 bosses they have in this demo are essentially they just throw uh, a couple of you know power ups that you can take on if you want to switch over to that kind of thing. So that is kind of the the typical way Kirby has been doing it for a while. Give you a chance to shake change up if you somehow end up with a bad. Uh, power up but i haven't seen any bad one uh but yeah once you beat it, it they tell you like oh you get a bonus for beating the demo they're just codes they're not like unique codes the ones i had but one is like completed demo or some like you know s- stupid terms like that that i don't think you have to actually beat it to unlock it you just put it in uh when uh, you get to that point in the game and uh the full game the little trailer they play at the end shows some things that i either had forgotten or didn't know about uh, things like you can upgrade the power-ups uh, with that. So you collect these blueprints, I guess, for upgraded versions. So like the uh, the dude that gets you the 
sort of Zelda-like outfit with the sword uh, that can grow into a point where it kind of looks like a Monster Hunter outfit and sword of sorts, which is kind of wild to see. Uh, I forget what the other ones were. I think you get like a, a more crazy bomb for the bomb dude. Like the only other one I remember is sort of one where you toss these like blades around and I forget what the upgraded version of that, but they let you play. You can replay the demo stages with uh, the upgraded power-ups being unlocked so they can show you that kind of stuff, which I did a little bit of one and then just got out and moved on. Uh, But yeah, that's, it's also weird playing it and looking in the options and you can change it so that uh, instead of like a being a jump, uh, you can have it be B, like moving your attack over to the the left face button, the Y, instead mm. of it being like B. I forget what the original one is, but they let you change it to where it's like almost like every other game where the bottom face button jumps, the left one uh, attacks, you know, your right one does the the swallow kind of thing, all that kind of stuff. So. It seems like a, a good demo, and they have they still have the gotcha stuff from the 3DS game where you collect these capsules that you open up to get some sort of little figurine or whatever that's related to Kirby in some way. So uh, that's pretty much it for me. So how about you, Brandon? What have you been doing? Well, as for me, I am still very much playing Elden Ring. Um, I've also played Psychonauts 2, and I recently finished that one last night, or at least the main campaign, but I still stuff to do that but that's not the main thing i've been playing it's still very much elton ring um and i've been making really good progress too i recently killed my second demigod uh last night the uh the i believe she's called i forget what her name is but she's the head of the academy the magic academy and for those who, you know, if you're playing elden ring you probably already know what i'm talking about it's the magic academy that has all those creepy sorcerer dudes wearing, like, stone masks on their head and everything. Um, they're all annoying as hell. And uh, they also have that really annoying uh, Red Wolf boss fight that you have to do midway through. Um, but in spite of all that, the actual boss against the Demigod was surprisingly really easy. Um, I only died a couple times um, against her. And, um, it's also really unique because it's, like, okay, so, like, the first, you know, demigod I went up fighting against, it had, like, two phases, you know, you get half of, uh, you know, Godric the Grafted, you do the first half of his, uh, life bar and get rid of it, and then he would, uh, basically rip off the head of this dead dragon and graft it to his arm, and suddenly he could shoot fire. Um, but this one, uh, I believe it's actually, I think her name is Riala, actually. Um, the Witch Riala. Uh, her boss fight is extremely strange. She has this first phase. It's actually really easy. Um, basically, um, she is like encased in like this yellow magic sphere that's shielding her. And instead of attacking directly, she has like all of her acolytes that are like you know, prostrating and crawling all over the floor around her. And they'll, like, you know, levitate, like, books and globes and stuff and throw them at you. Some of them will breathe fire at you. But there's always one of them that's, like, 
doing this chant that's keeping the magic cell cell the magic shell you know together and usually you only have to get you know kill you hit that one and then kill them and then another one will take up the chant and then you hit that one kill them and usually on occasion not always sometimes it'll be a third but usually that'll then break the shell and she will fall to the ground and then you can hit her a bunch of times until you know they rebuild the shell and she lets this big golden explosion out that knocks you across the room um but then after that's over you've got this second boss fight where she basically transports you to like this weird like watery um moonscape and her her attacks are all sorcery so it's stuff that she's shooting at you directly there's like a big beam there's like a collection of shots that are like sort of homing shots sort of like what sorcerers throw at you but if you've got like a good summon with you that fight is extremely easy um surprisingly easy i gotta say but yeah so i finished that area i've got two now, which means I can now go to the capital, which is located under the Great Erd Tree. Which, if you, played, if you haven't played Elden Ring, the Great Erd Tree is that gigantic glowing tree that you see in screenshots in the distance. And uh, they decided to introduce a new uh, while I was on the way over there because there's technically a lift that can take you to the capital, but it's not working when you get there, so you have to go around to this like mining tunnel and climb through this mining rig. and. Uh, they end up introducing a new enemy type, which uh, if you've if you've uh, been playing the game by this point, you've been introduced to the uh, large flying bat creatures, and those are annoying. But by this point in the game, they're fairly easy to deal with. Well, they create a new sort of variant enemy uh, enemy type, which is like a harpy or a siren, and you know they're nearby because you can hear them singing with human voices. And they're extremely annoying because on top of being very flighty and flappy around like the regular bad enemies are, they also have a a cloud of poison gas that they spit out that is as their main attack, which is extremely annoying. And uh, what makes it even more annoying is that they usually have a bunch of bats that are backing them up uh, during fight. And on top of that, there's also a variant of the harpy that can shoot that has sorcery powers. So you know, it's uh, the way Elden Ring is. It always throws new challenges at you. But uh, otherwise, yeah, it's a damn good game. In fact, I think I'm at a point now where I can start writing my review. God, it's so good. Um, so, you know, be looking for that in the coming week or so. Um, but yeah, so uh, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, nothing too different. Um, I'm still in the thick of Horizon uh, Forbidden World. Um, I just grabbed uh, Poseidon today, which is like one of the um, main things in, in the open world that you have to provide in order to uh, move on with the main story and everything going on. And um, the act of getting that one was um, I thought it was going to be really annoying and um, I knew it was coming so I just decided to like kill some time by doing side quests and, and whatnot. And then I realized that I didn't have to do too many side quests for the Platinum. Like they're really just there to buff Aloy up and um, I know that um, a lot of people have had issues with the game because they just straight lined it too fast and find out, found it hard in that regard. And now um, I'm a little over leveled. But yeah, the, part of the reason why I was sort of like um, 
dreading getting into this part of the game is because um, a big part of it is underwater. And as far as, you know, these adventure action, um, action adventure games go, nobody really ever gets underwater, right? Unless, like, you're in a submarine, a submarine or something. Mm. And, yeah, um, Horizon Forbidden West doesn't really uh, do much with that either. But, uh, fortunately, it's not to the uh, detriment of the game. Um, I wouldn't say it was anyway, ne- anywhere near my favorite part of what I've played so far. But I would definitely say that it's definitely been a, been a highlight. Uh, reason being, um, the underwater place that you explore is... Uh, Another very popular city in the United States. And, you know, just mm-hmm. I won't go over that. Forbidden West. It, it's in the West Coast, and it's, it's not San Francisco. So that's that's all I'll say there. And um, yeah, I think I'm getting towards the end because I think that um, uh, you're recommended to be at level 35 towards the end, and I'm at level 30 now. Um, but at the yeah. same time, like, I'm I'm enjoying everything that I've uh, that I've been playing. Um, but if there's like any sort of comparison that I can make with the original game, um, and while I'll continue to praise Horizon Forbidden West for just being more Horizon, and there's nothing wrong with that, Forbidden West just, as of right now, does not have the amount of polish that uh, Zero Dawn had in that game's initial release. Like I am, I am yeah. seeing issues with draw distance here. Like for example, you know, birds and enemies and certain trees are appearing. Like you know. Um, just just out of nowhere and like you know that that stuff that you expect with with a Nintendo Switch and not not the PS5 so that's a little weird um there was also a part earlier uh in a required mission where i had to like t- um turn it off for a bit just because um you know had other things to do and when i turned it back on i was at a point of like no return because in order to so what happened was it it put me back into my base of operations when i was like literally in the thick of um, exploring this one dungeony place. And yeah, so I stopped playing. All of a sudden, I, I started playing again, and it transported me back to my base. And I was like, oh no, do I have to start over again? Because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a required thing. Um, when you're here, you're not, you're not allowed to go back into the open world until you finish it. And mm. when I tried to progress, the people I had to talk to weren't there. And I see that the um, that the uh, waypointer to like you know pretty much you know guide you along the way was at the right place but the people i have to talk to in order to progress the story weren't there so luckily um every time the game auto saves you can just go back to that previous point and um yeah i was able to do that and you know it it sucked knowing that you know i had about you know 15 to 20 minutes of uh progress gone but you know at the end of the day i was able to get that out of the way and it's a whole lot better than starting the whole game all over again because you know that's that's a that's a game killing experience right there um but yeah uh aside from that really loving it so far can't wait to can't wait to dive back into it um i also got a review code for um wwe 2k22 um mm-hmm. the the embargo for that game lifted on monday but i got my code on wednesday so um and the game came out on friday so i i don't have that much uh uh, I didn't put in that that much time with it, but I will say that oh man, this game is night and day uh, to what WWE 2K20 was because that game was a was an onslaught of bugs that would just never solve themselves. And um, 2K22 is better in just about every regard. Um, the the roster is really impressive. In fact, mm. it's, it's a little too impressive because um, a lot of the 
WWE talent in this game is no longer in the WWE. They're actually in AEW and other uh, promotions now, so it's kind of interesting. And um, uh, yeah, the, the gameplay has been um, overhauled, and it's a whole lot more simple uh, than what it was a couple of years ago. Reversals are fun to do. Um, everything is pick up and play and easy to master. You know, it's not quite where it was in the N64 days, but mm-hmm. easily the best WWE uh, simulation game I've played in a while. Um, right now, I'm having fun with the My GM mode, which, you know, pretty much uh, makes you like the, the manager of your own brand, whether it be Raw, SmackDown, or NXT. And yeah, you pretty much just book the shows from the top to the bottom. So you have an opening match, you have a main event. You have uh, a promo or two to do, and then you also have, have, have your mid-card. So you can pretty much do whatever you want here. You can, you know, set up championship matches, uh, singles matches, tag matches. As long as, you know, you're making the men fight the men and the women fight the women, um, it's, it's pretty much whatever you want. And, you know, seeing as how, like, I'm sort of a hardcore wrestling fan, it's, like, um, really frustrating to put my dream matches together and seeing that the fans don't like them. But, you know, that's just WWE for you. Uh, the hardcore fans will know what they want. You know, Vince McMahon doesn't want it that way, and that's just the way it goes. Um, I've also had some um, time with the uh, with the main story mode in the game. You actually use Rey Mysterio and go through points of his career, and it, it's it's really interestingly done. Um, so every match has a bunch of objectives for you to follow, and you have to actually um, do all of those objectives in in, in those matches and. Um, it's funny, like, after, well, not not after every match, but, like, um, when you when, when you play every few, you actually see um, some of those moments actually happen, you know, in the past, because, you know, they, they, they have all this old footage that they've pulled through, and, yeah, Rey Mysterio is one of the best of all time, and it's just awesome just seeing, you know, where he was in his uh, WCW days, going all the way to, you know, his days as the world champion with WWE, and, like, Seeing what he's doing now is like both an in-ring performer and a tag team partner for his son, uh, Dominic. So, um, yeah, um, I'm really, really impressed with WWE 2K22 so far, especially considering where it's been. And normally what happens is when you get a game so late um, with its embargo, like the next day or even a few days after, like um, normally the game is really bad. And that's definitely not the case with this game. It's really enjoyable so far. And um Funny, like we have all, all these games to play from Elden Ring to Horizon to Pokemon, but WWE is definitely taking a dent into, into that time, and that's only a service to like how good that is. So, again, I don't I don't have um that much time into it, but I uh, hope to get back into it soon so I can uh, write a good review on it. But all right, all right. So yeah, let's get to some news here. Mm-hmm. Uh, first up, the March game for. The uh, Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack has been announced, and it is F-Zero X for the Nintendo 64 app. Mm -hmm. Uh, Released on March 11th. And yeah, that is a game that is kind of infamous, uh, because I don't think Mm -hmm. there are many copies made of it here in North America. Uh, So it's kind of one of those games where I never saw it in real life. No, me neither. (laughs) I never saw anybody that owned it or anything Mm-mm. so it's kind of one of those games where it's like oh, this i think it was one of those that was going to be worked on for their disc system for the nintendo extra stuff for it and that ended up falling through as well so yeah uh one of those games that uh f-zero fans probably know some about probably have emulated it but 
and you get to play like an official, easily accessible version mm. on your Switch. Uh, some 3D F Zero stuff. Yeah, I was never the biggest F Zero fan growing up, but obviously, you know, F Zero has its following, and uh, happy to hear that it's coming back. F Zero X is definitely the first uh, F Zero game that I've played. And that was during a time, you know, where the N64 had um, Diddy Kong Racing, which was actually my preferred racer at the time, uh, Mario Kart 64 and all of them. And then F-Zero X was actually one of the first games I've ever rented uh, on, the, on the N64. And I remember enjoying it, but I also remember the game being uh, pretty damn hard. And, um, mm. you know, with a, with a two-day rental, there's really not much you can do uh, at the time. So, you know, um, I'll definitely try it out i don't know how long but we'll we'll, we'll see how well this game is able. yeah uh so that is a cool addition there uh there's not many more that i think they have announced for that uh platform so i'm curious to see if we just see them run out and they do it like they did the n6 uh the the nes and super nintendo games where it's like uh maybe every few months we'll add one or two things don't expect much but mm-hmm. we'll see how that goes um, for now, you got that. I don't think I've had any Genesis stuff since, I think, January. So there's definitely some stuff there to keep an eye on. But uh, yeah, GTA Five is finally hitting the new consoles this week uh, mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Or no, Tuesday. Tuesday the 15th. And we now know how much this game is going to cost to get here for the time being. So uh, there are discounts for it on PS5 and Xbox Series X and S uh, to pre-order here and as well as getting it at, uh, after launch. The weird thing is it's cheaper on PS5 than Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be, it's $9.99 uh, for now on PS5 uh, for the first three months. So around the same time that GTA Online gets taken down, uh, that'll be uh, the thing there. And you can pre-order or yeah, pre-order it now for ten bucks, or get it afterwards. And yeah, the you can preload it now, get it downloaded. I don't know what the size is. I haven't seen if that is uh, better uh, than it was on Xbox One. Uh, we'll see. But on Series X and S, since the online is not going to be free there, like it is on PlayStation Five, mm-hmm. uh, that'll be discounted to nineteen ninety nine for the campaign mm-hmm. and the uh, GTA Online itself is nine ninety nine for again like PlayStation for the first three months. So you'll be paying there about thirty bucks for the whole package, mm. uh, whereas it'll be ten bucks. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, the GTA Online will be ten bucks uh, half off, and the campaign is uh, forty bucks. Best to get it now or wait for sales because. It'll go on sale very often. They're going to probably do pretty well sales-wise putting that game up on sale for the new consoles since it's about as good as you're going to get for that from Rockstar. Hmm. Uh, so there you go. Uh, let's see. Also hitting, let's see, in April, mm-hmm. uh, we got a very unexpected uh, old game to get a port. Yeah. It's Glover. Yep. An N64 game that... Probably is not well remembered at all. It was kind of a cult hit, um, but yeah, it, it definitely went into obscurity long after that generation. Was yeah, over. Like that, uh, that game came out 
at a, in a time where um, mascot platformers were just simply all the rage. You know, you had um, you had um, Mario 64, you had Crash Bandicoot, you had Spyro, you had Rocket Robot on Wheels, who'll be a little more obscure than uh, Gex, and that, that game fucking sucks. And um, uh, Glover was not good either. Like, um, being at that age and, like, being someone that only had an N64 at the time, Glover was also a game that I rented, and I was like, man, this game is is not fun. It's, it, it's weird that they even decided to bring this one back, so I, I, I have no idea what's up there. You know, um, here's to hoping, though, that I don't know if you guys remember or played Chameleon Twist. Those games were actually fun. Terrible mm. to look at now, but I remember those. I remember some fond memories. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is... Yeah, 3D platform where you're essentially played as a anthrop- anthropomorphic glove that conveniently is only a four-fingered glove. Mm-hmm. No third leg or anything in there. Nope. Whatever it would be. Uh, but you did have a ball that you could just pull out whenever to like throw at enemies or use mm-hmm. to ride around, roll on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the most notable thing is the the video clip of when Glover sponsored F event at the time mm-hmm. and had uh, JR uh, saying, you know, you got to love the glove. Mm-hmm. For some of the weird video game tie-ins they would have occasionally with wrestling. Uh, but yeah, this game will be coming to PC only through Pico Interactive, who is a company that has done a lot of like republishing of old games on their mm. original carts or whatever uh, that came on. Mm. Uh, I think they've also done some other stuff. Uh, but yeah, this is one that they are sort of... They have the original code for it that they are... Uh, redoing a PC ports, yeah, six worlds. Uh, what else here? Not much. It'll be out four twenty. There you go. Wonderful timing. Yeah, nice time. Probably the perfect kind of audience. I don't think it's gonna age well at all. So there you go. Uh, but yeah, let's see. We mentioned a few weeks ago that Disgaea Six Complete was coming to the uh, the PlayStation's and PC in the West. Uh, PS5, PS4, and PC. Uh, we didn't have a date yet, mm. just sometime in uh, the summer. Uh, but mm. now we have a date, June 28th. Mm. So you'll be able to get the newest game in the series on a PlayStation or PC. I'm not sure if that's just Steam. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you have get the PS4 version, you'll be able to upgrade to the PS5 version for free. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to know actually read my review yeah um it's honestly not very good yeah but it at least should look a lot better yeah yeah but it yeah but weirdly enough the 3d visuals don't look as good as the pixel did yeah well, at least won't be kind of the thing that, that that was going off the switch kind of looked off a little bit than what's the the style of like chibi probably should have done uh but yeah you'll be able to check that out here in a few and let's see last date we have here gotham knights finally got a date announcement uh for october 25th mm. that is the sort of four player co-op action rpg sort of follow-up to the arkham batman arkham games there but you are playing as uh the bat the Batman sidekicks, Batgirl, Robin, Red Hood, and Nightwing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the PlayStations, Xboxes, and PC. So yeah, timing it with Halloween there. 
uh, a week later. Yeah, I think it's definitely a good release time for um, that game. Um, mm-hmm. What's surprising, though, is that, you know, they, they just showed the date. Like, we haven't really heard anything out of this team or, you know, about anything about this game since you know, Fandom in October of last year. So I'm surprised it didn't come out with, like, another trailer or anything like that because, you know, while, you know, Batman can easily sell itself, but I think it, it, it could definitely use, like, some more hype, especially with all the stuff that's been happening. Um, or with all the games that have been better. Yeah, but they got, you know, seven more months to do all of the trailer stuff, the events here as we go, so I assume that's what they'll, at least their marketing team will be focusing on to finish up the game. Uh, yeah, I'm curious to see how that, that is uh, looking. The Suicide Squad game has been potentially, this will be the the big DC game for the rest of this. Yeah, let's hope it's good. <laughs> yeah. And uh, let's get to... This year, we finally have an idea of what year Super Nintendo World is going to be opening up. The mm-hmm. Universal theme park in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, they've announced that it'll be opening in 2023. Yep, next year. That's uh, that's it. No time frame or anything. Just sometime next year. So you got some time to save up your money for a trip if you need to. So imagine it probably won't be cheap. Nope. So, uh, you know, Dan Reb, this means you. <laughs> oh, well. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty of time for that. I think they still have to talk about what all is in. Yeah. There's been plenty of talk about what's in the, the Tokyo theme park. Yeah, like, I had plans of going to the Tokyo theme park, like, at grand opening, but as we know, COVID happened. So, yeah. That's, um, we've known about um, Super Nintendo World, like, opening in... Florida, and we've actually known about opening in Hollywood for a while, but it's it's pretty interesting that the date is coming so soon. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't live in LA. I don't. I haven't gone to a Universal Park in a long time, so you know I haven't seen update with construction or whatnot. But yeah, this is definitely something I'm looking forward to. Um, hopefully, we get to a point where, yeah, we can you know uh, go there on our own accord. Like obviously, like we can now, but you know it's it's still still a bit iffy. Um, I went to Disneyland a couple of weeks ago, and that was when California, or that part of California, relaxed. And like for me, it was like a different. I always sort of have this thing whenever I go, whenever I travel, because like I live in one of the most strict uh, COVID counties in America, and like just going anywhere is like a complete culture shock to me. So we'll see how this goes, but I do know that you know knowing Nintendo fans here. Yeah, that grand opening merch is going to be hard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see the next one here. One of the weirder purchases I've seen of late. Uh, Atari, uh, at least the the current Atari, whatever they, the holding company is that holds that name, they've decided to spend $1.5 million buying Moby Games. Yep. Uh, a website you may not know, but uh, it is one that is important for the industry because it is kind of the... Yeah. The industries like IMDb, yeah, those sorts where people keep track of the credits for games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people can get their own page on there that helps track all of the projects they've worked on, uh, that kind of stuff, and makes it easy to know like who made these games. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it started in 1999, so it's been around for quite a while. I don't know mm-hmm. how how they handle upgrading or updating their sites. That stuff 
Yeah, they also have screenshots and video stuff as well for games. So sometimes it's a good place just to learn more about old games and see them in action a little bit. Yeah. And see who worked on them. Because uh, yeah. especially older games, you know, the credit lit, credits can get kind of obscure. So, yeah. Yeah. And the uh, the founders of the site mentioned that, yeah, with this money, uh, Atari is helping them provide the investments and support they need to complete long-planned site improvements. Right. Makes a lot of sense that this is a site that is probably one that's run on a very cheap budget. So I don't think it's yeah. really evolved that much over the, the last, like, 20 years or so. No, it's pretty much kept the same form. Matt. Yeah. Yeah, so it's been in need for an update. And they mm. found uh, the current Atari as a solid partner. Mm. So hopefully that all works out for them. Yep. So yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. Last one here before we start getting into some of the the news bits. So there was a lawsuit last year against PlayStation by a woman that worked there. Let's see an IT security analyst that claimed that there were sexism issues with PlayStation uh, saying Sony discriminated against female employees, including those who are female and those who identify as female and compensation and promotion and subjects them to a work culture predominated by men. Uh, that was a big deal, but it was still just one person at the time. Mm. Uh, so kind of waited to see like if this would get more support or if it would just get you know settled quietly and move on kind of thing but uh yes now as of this week eight more women have uh signed on to add their accounts to this and yeah some of the things that are being talked about here are just some gross stuff uh let's see you know one of them here 16 year veteran of playstation said there is a lack of women considered for senior roles during quote-unquote calibration sessions. Said that during one session, only four women were considered for promotions compared to almost 70 men that were considered. Uh, She said she heard comments about female candidates' family lives in those sessions that weren't made for applicable male candidates too. That's a thing that's talked about, just corporate culture. Uh, Let's see, another, another person said a third party study found a great imbalance in terms of the former program manager said, I believe Sony's not equipped to appropriately handle toxic environments mm. in her court filing. Let's see. She also reportedly shared a letter she sent to female employees upon her departure from Sony. Talked about multiple attempts to notify superiors about gender bias, discrimination against pregnant women and resistance from a senior man in human resources to properly act on these claims. I think I read some stuff elsewhere that was talking about how uh, some of the guys would just like to go on their lunch break to strip clubs. Stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's not like something that isn't going to exclude, say, this, uh, pass around porn, openly talk about women's looks and all that kind of stuff. That's just like, oh, that's, that's yeah. gross shit fired. Yeah, yeah. Now, if it's just like a dude and his friends okay, fine, but like, it's like this this company-wide cultural issue. Yeah, uh, you need some uh, 
some cleaning is to be done. So have to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there you go. Uh, let's see. Yeah, we got the the next bit here. Some stories involving the games industry uh, reacting to the Russia invest uh, invasion of Ukraine and doing mm-hmm. various things here. Uh, first up, there is a huge itch.io bundle. Yep. for indie games, uh, ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Get nearly nine hundred. It's like almost a thousand items in there. Something. Like mm-hmm. Uh, for that, lots of great games yep. in there. Like, let's see, I'm just looking on the, the first bit here. There's Skatebird, there's mm-hmm. Crosscode, Cloud Gardens, Wandersong, Kingdom Two Crowns, Goner, uh, Backbone, Super Hot, a bunch of stuff here to check out. Bigger indie game names as well as some smaller stuff. Mm. in there that's worth checking out there's also a lot of uh, weird sides uh, weird out of the norm stuff like you know tabletop role playing games and assets for making your own games and some other stuff in there that you can mm. find that is uh, pretty cool to see there's some uh, overlap with some of the other bundles they've done uh, but it's a cool uh, successful bundle they said a I think they initially set a goal for like $2 million and beat that in like a day or so. Yeah. Bumped up to four, beat that a couple days ago. Just updated it to $5 million in the past couple mm-hmm. hours. Uh, so they might uh, increase that total again. I'm not sure. Let's see. It's open for another days and five hours. So I think that's... Mm. What about the 18th? It's going to be open until so... If you're into indie games, definitely check us out for games you can check out. Mm. Yep. And if you want to access them, you can just download them straight from the bundle page after you've purchased it, or you can get the itch.io uh, mm-hmm. launcher desktop app to check that out as yep. well. Uh, you can just start downloading them to there. Keep track of that there. Uh, so, yeah, well worth checking out. They are splitting the proceeds between the International Medical Corps, mm-hmm. which helps presi- provide medical assistance to the region. Uh, very low fundraising overhead for that, so mm-hmm. that's great. And the other one's Voices of Children. The Ukrainian organization helps children cope with the horrors of war. PTSD is back in order. So, mm-hmm. I think so. some cool charities there help support. Yep, Absolutely. Yep, and you can even pay over the 10 bucks if you have the means to do that. Mm. It says here the top contribution is 9000 bucks. Mm-hmm. So we threw quite a bit in there for that. Yep. Uh, just great to see. So well worth checking that out and as mm-hmm. a result. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, let's see. One of the uh, more surprising things to happen is Nintendo announced that mm-hmm. Advance Wars 1 Plus 2 Reboot Camp has been delayed as a result of what they say is, quote-unquote, in light of recent world events. Yeah. Now, there is a reason for this, um, and it's not just because the whole idea is like, oh, they you know, they think it would be kind of trashy to put out you know, a military war game around a time like this. Actually, it's a bit more direct than that. Um, the Blue Army, that's like the invading army in Advance Wars 1, is uh, very clearly based on Russia. (laughs) 
Yeah, there are elements of Russian influence on different parts of the game. Yeah. Like uh, the, the Orange Star team is called Red Star in mm-hmm. Japan, and that is nicknamed for the Soviets back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, right now the the folks at Nintendo was like, yeah, it'd be kind of tasteless if we put this out right now. Yeah. Uh, so they do not have a new date yet. I imagine that'll probably be probably late summer at the earliest, mm-hmm. depending on how this goes. Yeah, we'll have to see because, like, all indications point to this pretty much being a done product. Um, I think yeah. the first delay was primarily just you know polish things, and to be honest, you know you probably don't need that much polish in a strategy game. But you know, obviously, they just want to get the bugs out of the way because that's just that's just what Nintendo does. But yeah, it's a good move, especially considering the fact that the original game came out a day before nine eleven. So yep. Uh, Advance Wars hasn't really been, uh, you know, it, it's been timely for all the wrong reasons. So, mm-hmm. let's try not to do that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that'll be interesting to see uh, when that does come. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, that is uh, that. And, yeah, the last two here stories about how Nintendo has announced they're halting all sales and shipments to Russia. Uh, the the weird thing is their statement is very much kind of avoiding anything to talk about the war itself. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the the one bit they do say is we would like to express our concern for all those affected by the this conflict. We have decided to suspend shipping future. Mm. This is due to considerable volatility surrounding the logistics of shipping and distributing physical. Yeah. Okay. You somehow made a statement and not really applied any political message in there at all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're also, yeah, they say they have put the Russian eShop into maintenance mode mm-hmm. from buying digital games, effectively suspending all sales and downloads in the country. Maybe not necessarily done in support of Ukraine, but probably more because payment processors and payment options are no longer being processed for Russian uh, currency. So, what's the point of keeping the storefront open there in that? Mm-hmm. Uh, means unless you have your own ways of getting around that, which, as we talked about on Let's Weekend, uh, President revoke the trade status, trade relations status with Russia. That might just mean no company in this country is able to mm-hmm. do business with Russia. That would just be the end of all concern about this stuff. Yeah. For the foreseeable future. Uh, so there you go. Uh, the other story here is that PlayStation is also doing the same thing. Mm. Uh, spending all their sales and shipments in Russia, in, but they are very much putting in political messaging here and calling for peace in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as the launch of Gran Turismo 7, they are halting at the same time. Mm. Uh, and they've also announced a $2 million donation to the United Nations High Commission High Commissioner for Refugees and the NGO Save mm-hmm. the Children uh, charities to support those affected by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Uh, so there you go kind of going one step further with some donations and i know other publishers are doing some of the same kind of kind of stuff i think sega's doing one though they didn't announce the the amounts they were going to do koei tecmo was also they did announce their amount i think it was like five hundred thousand. offer some sort of item you can get on in their games or whatever purchase to also donate towards whatever they're doing but they haven't announced any details on that yet 
Other publishers doing some cool stuff as well with that. Talk about the big ones as they go. I think Xbox yeah. might as well, might also have, but they couch in a Microsoft statement. Mm-hmm. The Xbox isn't mentioned in there at all. Yeah. But all the articles I saw were like, we assume Xbox is the same, but nobody's going to the length of, you know, creating a Russian account to double check that stuff. Yeah. So I assume it's also the same like PlayStation and Nintendo, but they haven't really made any statements mm. to that effect. That's not really surprising. They haven't really made mm. statements like that in the past. But, yeah. Uh, now, let's get to something a little bit more uh, light in tone. That is the state of play that happened this week. As Sony mm-hmm. talked about uh, having a state of play on Wednesday, that would be about 20 minutes long. And focus on announcements with Japanese publishers and partners and whatever Yeah. else. I think everything but like one of these games is from a uh, Japanese developer mm-hmm. or public. I guess the one could technically be called Japanese, but uh, let's go in order here and get through this. There is Capcom game got announced. This opened this that was about dinosaurs infesting this area. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you got to go around and shoot them and all that. And people are like, oh, is this Dino Crisis? And no, it's Exoprimal. No. It is sort of a mm-hmm. four-player kind of action shooter kind of thing, cooperative thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of seemed like there's a little bit of like Overwatch in it. It's like one of the the mech suits has like a big shield mm. sort of thing. And the there's also a weird tone to it uh, because it's like, oh, there's these weird vortexes that show up and just spit out thousands of dinosaurs and they treat it like it's mm-hmm. a weather, weather report. To tell people like, ah, oh, don't go out. There's it's gonna rain dinosaurs today. They send out these. I assume these these are called exoprimal suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, five players uh, at a time. So, you got some good groups there for that stuff. Uh, that is, uh, it looks neat. I don't know what the how the whole game works out, but I assume we'll see that because that is supposed to be out uh, 2023. I'm trying to hear is some of these, a lot of these stuff just got called. Mm-hmm. It's like, ah, it'll be out at some point. We're not going to announce a date until we're ready. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to get their announcement out now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. That's Exoprimal. Yep. Looks kind of neat. I don't know what the, how it's going to look at uh, when it's out. But uh, Next up here, Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Got a new trailer to announce that their demo's out now. You can go play it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lets you carry progress over to the full game. Yeah, which is how demos like the shit operate. Yeah, but the, there are situations like the Babylon's Fall demo where you can transfer over, but the the amount of gameplay it gives you is probably enough to be like, yeah, that's enough of this. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to spend yeah. the money on the fun. This one seems to be getting the response of, this is so fucking stupid. It's like seems like a very stupid and ridiculous game that might actually be okay. Mm-hmm. It draws people where it is. Uh, so I'm going to have to check out this. Yeah, this is the first of a myriad of uh, Square Enix announcements. And I don't know, like they're, they're at a really weird point right now, if you ask me. Like, you know, Babylon's Fall ended up being what it is. The Chocobo Racing game came out. And both of these games are like um, 
huge in microtransactions uh, with the former being a $60 game. So it's like, oh, you know, what's going on here? And the funny thing is, you know, when, when Stranger of Paradise was first unveiled last year, I don't think anybody was terribly excited about that. And then when the, when the demo launched right, right after the event, I, I forget whether it was E3 or something, didn't even work. So, and they didn't even extend the time to try it out. So, um, I don't know, but um, a lot of the um, reactions I've seen with the demo is that the game is pretty solid. So I'm hoping it's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it, it's as good as it could be. But yeah, right now we're at a, we're at a really um, crowded uh, spot for gaming right now. But, you know, hopefully mm-hmm. cause the, the, the Team Ninja team is really, really talented. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm looking at this article and I didn't realize. So the producer they have uh, that wrote up this article abbreviates the game's name mm-hmm. a bunch and i didn't realize how stupid that looked s-o-p-f-f-o sopfo i just keep seeing it all throughout this entire article and i'm like you guys needed to find just call it like stranger of paradise yeah yeah i mean like you, you can say final fantasy origin but the fact that hardly any of the games are even connected is uh it's just bizarre. there's but already a product not- called final fantasy origins mm-hmm as a PS1 collection, it's four and five. I think it was no. Or I was think it, one it and two. It was, I believe, actually, I think it was uh, whatever. Like Final Fantasy two and three was over here in the West. So I think four and six. Was it five that got port? But that was with Chrono Trigger. It might have been. It might have been six. I don't. I don't it's know. been was, a long time. There's some. So. Bun- they had two bundles. Origins was the one I think had the two Final Fantasy games in it. The other one. Got uh, Chrono Trigger and the 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 odd one out mm. there. So yeah, this one calling it Final Fantasy Origin as like the subtitle, but not really a subtitle to it. And also, just nobody knows what the game, name of this game is. That's like the biggest issue with it is that it's a very stupid name mm. overall. But yeah, that seems to be fitting of a game that also seems to be very stupid and how it's handling its writing and story and all that and not taking itself too seriously but yeah we'll get to some of the other stuff here they mm-hmm. had a bunch of stuff to show uh we got a gameplay trailer for forspoken which mm-hmm. the day before just got announced that uh their delay uh was going to be happening for this game to october 11th instead of in whatever it was april may mm-hmm. i forget when it was supposed to originally come out uh but yeah, they finally pushed it out because I'm assuming that people didn't know what this game was. Mm-hmm. Or when it was coming, they pushed themselves out of this crowded mm-hmm. one where they may stick out. Yeah. Yeah. Not much graphically, it because graphically it looks great. Yeah. Like, yeah, it looks really nice. Uh, it's nice to see Square Enix making a game with a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like this is one of those games where I'm 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 excited that it's coming out, but at the same time, it's like. I'm okay with every delay it gets. Uh, you know, I don't think the time they take with it. Um, the 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 amount that they've shown in this presentation is is actually probably the most significant amount of gameplay I've seen out of it in a while, or ever. So you know, mm. I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. And like, you have part of the script written by Gary Witta. So yeah, there, there's a lot to be excited about here. And yeah, the delay was good because we have no. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 crazy right now in October. You know, it's probably going to be a filled month too, but it probably has some room to breathe there. 
Mm. We all know Square Enix needs that, especially since uh, this is not even their last announcement of the day. So, Mm-mm. yeah, and Forspoken is the cover game for Game Informer for this month. Mm-hmm. So, there's a lot of more information for that. Uh, just check out GameInformer.com, and uh, mm-hmm. they've got a number of articles site for mm-hmm. uh, more information on that. Game. Uh, let's see. Next up here, Gundam Evolution, another mm-hmm. free-to-play Gundam game. Yeah, uh, this one is a six-on-six free-to-play first-person shooter. Yeah, that is very much looked like. Hey, what if we made a Gundam Call of Duty? Yeah, because uh, like the the three main modes they showed off were very much Call of Duty modes. Mm-hmm. Uh, to it, so there's like point capture. You know, you run to a point, uh, hold it, uh, and shoot any dudes that try to take it from you. Uh, there's domination. You know, where you got to control three objectives uh, that are unlocked randomly, and then there's destruction, which is team deathmatch, essentially. Yep. Uh, so yeah, that is going to be out. I think later this year. At some point, mm. they're doing a network test for the U.S. and Japan in the spring. I think they're taking signups now, so you can get on that if you are interested. Mm. And I have a bunch of different suits in there, mobile suits, from various games. To that, uh, let's see. Next up was probably the the biggest announcement of this entire uh, show mm-hmm. is the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: The Cowabunga Collection. Oh yes, it's going to be on everything. Yep, everything. Uh, PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC sometime this year, 2022. Mm-hmm. It includes 13 games uh, from mm-hmm. the uh, the late 80s arcade games up to uh, the Genesis and, and Super Nintendo games, as well as uh, Game Boy and NES games in there. So let's see, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Arcade, uh, Turtles in Time Arcade, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles NES, uh, let's see, Team NT2, the arcade game on NES. There's three, the Manhattan Project on NES, mm-hmm. as well as Tournament Fighters for the, the NES, the last economy yeah. game on the NES. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Super Nintendo, there's Turtles in Time and Tournament Fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, as yep. well. So you get the second version of that game. On Genesis, there's the Hyperstone Heist, which was kind of a mm-hmm. uh, to it, as well as Tournament Fighters. So you get three versions mm-hmm. of that if you want. Yeah. Uh, for Game Boy, there's Follow the Foot Plan, uh, the sequel Back from the Sewers, and then there was the third game, Radical Rescue, which I believe is more of a Metroid-like to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also get Japanese version. Yep. Like everything but the arcade games as well. So this is a digital clips collection. They have Rewind. You can save states, do the button mapping. They've added online play for certain games. I think... Turtles in Time Arcade, uh, Hyperstone Heist, I think Tournament Fighter, uh, the Super Nintendo, I think, is the one there in play for that. But they also have digital game guides for each title, uh, which is sort of a recorded playthrough that you can just hop in at any point. Mm. So if you just suck at an area, you can skip past it and yep. play the rest of the game after that. Uh, let's see, I think they're going to do like their other collections, have a bunch of Extra stuff, material, concept arts, all that kind of stuff to, mm-hmm. to add on to it. Yeah, it's going to be out sometime later this year. I think it's priced at 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. That collection, that seems well worth it for the amount of game that you're getting here. Yeah. Um, 
going to introduce a whole new generation infamous NES game that is damn near unbeatable. Um, just there, there's going to be a whole bunch of let's plays on YouTube and people just absolutely losing their shit at stage two. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, though it should be a lot easier this time around because you can just save state and rewind. Yeah. Which, you know, they did that, you know, the uh, collection they the Battle Toads, and uh, it helped, you know, kind yeah. of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all signs point to this game being, or this package being an absolute banger. You know, 40 bucks for, like, what, 13 games, and, you know, at, at least five of them are, like, really good. I remember having uh, a frustrating time with uh, the original uh, TMNT on the NES when I was like pre-kindergarten, but I remember fun times there. Uh, There's also um, the Manhattan Project as well as Turtles in Time that I had fun with on my friend's SNES back in the day. So yeah, um, I definitely didn't play all of these. Um, When I do get it, I probably still won't play all of them, but it'll be good to have, especially Mm. Like they're probably impossible to find now. And it's crazy. Like, you know, it's it's Konami putting in a little bit of effort, but this is one thing that they'll definitely make some money hand over fist on because I'm pretty sure, you know, um the Ninja Turtles, like in the eighties and nineties were just it was huge. Not only was it an awesome cartoon, you had awesome comic books. I wouldn't say the movies were all that awesome, but people watched them and like the games were also pretty good too. Like Rarely do you have an IP where everything that came out was fun. And yeah, that, that, that's what TMNT was and still is to this day. Um, yeah. You know, you can go ahead and talk about the quality not being the same as what it was in the 80s and 90s, but you know, they, they still exist for a reason. And uh, yeah, let's hope Konami does this with, um, I don't know, Metal Gear or anything else in the future. But they've definitely, you know, if, if they decide to just do the whole, you know, compilation pack for the rest of their lives and continue to focus on the particular machines uh, I will say TMNT is a good choice here yeah yeah it's a, it's a collection of games that I think I only played Turtles in Time on the Super Nintendo mm-hmm. and Tournament Fighters yeah it's like a fuck around thing yeah Tournament Fighters was a was a trip too because there's like three different versions of that game and each one of them are pretty different from each other um they they're you know the one of course i was a nintendo kid growing up so the one i had was nintendo version and super nintendo version was arguably the best version of all of them um because they had you know the most characters of all but it also introduced probably one of the weirdest boss characters i've ever come across she's canon but She's basically like you would think, like with a with a you know a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, you know the boss would be Shredder, right? But no, not in Tournament Fighter. Shredder is actually one of the characters you can pick. Um, no, in tournament in Tournament Fighters, the last boss is actually Shredder's daughter, uh, and I forget what her name is supposed to be, but she had like the weirdest. Uh, fighting stance where she was like spinning on one foot and she was like spinning around as she was you know getting closer to you and you were fighting her on like on top of a train or something and 
Yeah, that yeah. that and generally in general that game was really surreal. <laughs> um yeah, it's Karai. Yeah, Karai, that's her name. Um Yeah. Yep, so there you go. That is a a very fun-looking collection there for you to mm-hmm. check out. Uh, let's get through the last few games here. There's Gigabash, a sort of kaiju beat-em-up game kind of thing mm-hmm. here that uh, was announced for sometime this year. Uh, it's PS5, yep. PS4, PC. It has multiplayer and all that kind of stuff. That could be mm-hmm. neat. Uh, let's see. Let's see. They announced a remaster of a game that I knew about. Uh, it's a PS3 fighting game, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. yeah. Um, it came out before, you know, JoJo really became like a big thing in the West. Um, yeah. You know, there there had been a previous JoJo fighting game. That's the one where the whole uh, Zawardo, you know, meme came from, which is the one where... You know, Dio does this wardo, you know, time stands still, and so he throws out knives, and then he drops, like, a friggin' steamroller on a dude and all that. Um, yeah, this is the uh, the 3D one that came out for PS3. Um, yeah. It was, very, it was very obscure when it originally came out, but, you know, now JoJo's, like, this big, huge cultural phenomenon, so it totally makes sense that they would remake it. Yeah, and I imagine Arc System Works is probably a little busy to be doing proper fighting yeah. game that people would right now. They're enjoy. you know work. Yeah, I mean they're they're you know hard at work on the current Guilty Gear, um, or at least the yeah. next version of it. But yeah, if they ended up being the next one to do a JoJo game, then yeah, they knock it out of the park. Yeah, so this remaster will be out on everything. Uh, and it'll mm-hmm. be out uh, when they say early fall 2022. Mm. Uh, let's see, next up here, Trek to Yomi. They shot off some more of that. That's the Devolver Digital sort of side-scrolling action samurai game. Mm-hmm. Black and white and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe yeah. it doesn't hold up so well when we had you know Ghost of Tsushima last year mm. that uh, did really well. Yeah. I kind of hear uh, by a good bit, though, mm-hmm. you know, being sort of a side-scrolling action game. I uh, might be mm-hmm. able to stand on some. It's any sort of date other than spring. Tw- mm-hmm. That's all the PlayStations, Xbox. Uh, the next up, they announced an update for Returnal called mm-hmm. Ascension that adds yeah. full campaign co-op, mm-hmm. as well as a new tower that is a I think it's called, what is it, the the Tower of Sisyphus? Yeah. To it, where you get to go in this sort of randomly generating tower that just throws in random challenges at you to, mm-hmm. you know, just uh, make it very hard for you, as if the yeah. regular game wasn't hard enough. Yeah. Um, it's still, this is like one of the reasons I desperately love PS5, because I want to play this game so badly. Yeah. And the co-op mode, it seems like that's the only thing, uh, the stuff that is solo, so the house stuff you can't mm-hmm. do in it, as well as, let's see if there's, uh, I'm not sure what else is not available, but you'll be able to do most everything in that game of mm-hmm. note. So a nice big update. I think they say it's mm-hmm. uh, so that'll be cool to see. 
that's yeah. supposed to be happening sometime this month. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected um, Returnal to get any sort of DLC, but considering how well it did, um, it's definitely cool to see. Um, then again, yeah. I guess it really isn't that much of a surprise because Returnal is technically, you know, the first um, uh, pure PS5 um, exclusive aside from uh, the Astrobot insert. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I didn't really. I mean, definitely this this, this definitely got my attention. But um, I didn't really look too much into it. So is that co-op mode, like the actual campaign? Or is it something new, or is it both? What is it? The, the, the co-op. Is that um, the actual like campaign, or is it something new, or is it both? It's the, the campaign. Okay, okay. I've, I've never actually beaten this game, so this definitely is attractive to me. Granted, I don't know anybody who would carry me. But... Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, that is a, a nice addition for that game to further add yep. some more value to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for people, I assume it'll be out here in the next couple. We'll let you know when it's out. And then the last two games here are Square Enix titles, smaller games. Mm-hmm. So much so I completely missed when they transitioned from one to the other mm-hmm. uh, when I was watching it. Uh, but yeah, the first one here is a game called The Dio Field Chronicle. Mm-hmm. A strategy RPG from Square Enix, who just released a strategy RPG. Mm-hmm. They said, hey, we got another one coming uh, later this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, the update for Returnal Ascension seems to be out March 22nd. Mm-hmm. I missed that. Uh, but yeah, this Diofield Chronicle uh, has some notable talent on it. The character's designer uh, comes from Lord of Vermilion 3 mm-hmm. and 4. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's a guy that worked on Final Fantasy 12 and 13, and sound composer, sound composers. Uh, let's see, one of them worked on Game of Thrones. Mm. So some notable talent there. Uh, but yeah, the the weird thing is it is a strategy RPG, but it's not a turn-based strategy RPG. It's a real-time battle. So you're kind of moving dudes around in real time. I guess it looks a little weird in the the trailer itself, but the the stages they're saying are being designed like diorama style that looks pretty neat for what it is oh yeah yeah very much uh like you'd expect there are various uh clans of sort fighting uh for this stuff uh so yeah campaign for all this stuff so yeah it'll be out on ps5 and ps4 uh all the xboxes switching pc later this year yeah like this game pretty much came out of nowhere um and it's it has all the weirdness that I find attractive. Like, you know, it's, it's medieval, but you know, they're using guns and it's, it's futuristic at the same time. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of everything put in one very platinum-y, but at the same time, like the, the art style really lends itself in, uh, to, you know, be a combination of old school final fantasy with some of the, like you said, the, the, the shoebox diorama stuff that you see even in, games like Octopath, the general art looks looks good too. What's weird though is that Square Enix never makes announcements for games that uh, come out within the same calendar year um, mm-hmm. with, with their Japanese products so uh, that makes it a little interesting. So hopefully this game isn't just released to the wolves for it to fail, but um, we'll see how it goes. Um, the battle system looks like it's a lot but, you know, we'll see. Yep, and the the last game is a game called Valkyrie Elysium, 
Mm-hmm. A name that had kind of been floating around for a bit, as people saw a trademark for that. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of wondering what the heck that was. And it's, uh, we got the answer. It is the latest game in the Valkyrie Profile series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, but it's like an action RPG. Watching the trailer, I did not really figure out like what the heck it's mm. sort of how it worked and all that. And just like, I was just zipping around the place, fighting enemies. I don't know. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's supposed to be a more normal action RPG or if it's Souls-like or whatever. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it is going to be coming to PS5, PS4, and PC mm. later this year. They're saying it's running at 4K and 60 FPS on PS5, which isn't a surprise because this it did not look super super graphically intensive there. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a neat look to it. Curious yeah. to see how that goes. But yeah, seeing this this thing being announced, I was like, why aren't they putting Valkyrie Profile onto the the consoles? Mm-hmm. Seems like if you want people to give a damn about the series and why this somehow connects to that, put out the other game. Mm. It's not like they don't like putting out their old games. Yeah, high prices. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. Like Valkyrie Profile is one of um, Square Enix's many niche IPs, but it's mm-hmm. also interesting to the fact that you know these are Valkyries, right? These are like women kicking ass, and you know you yeah. aside from lightning from FF13, like you really hardly ever see that, especially out of mm-hmm. so it's weird. But um, I don't think this will be a Souls like. Uh, traditionally, like this game has always been like your typical like hack and slashy kind of game with some spells. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know. It's really resembling a slower paced platinum game to me. Um, but yeah, so this does look interesting, but the fact that it's also out on the PS4, like doesn't really um, extend me much confidence as to like, you know, it's, it's, it's visual component being good, but um, the composer and uh, the, the music in this series has, has just been fantastic. And I'm, I'm looking. Yep. Yeah. The, the nice thing about screening of late is they've been doing a lot of, uh, neat looking smaller projects. There's like the voice of card stuff they're doing, Yoko Taro. Yeah. Uh, they've been doing a number of other things where it's like these games are clearly done on a smaller budget. I mentioned to fill out uh, a lineup that uh, is so heavily reliant on Final Fantasy 16 and 14. There's not much else they're putting out here related to those games because there's Final Fantasy Origin. Mm-hmm. Which Forspoken, which was made by the the team that worked on Final Fantasy 15, as they spun off into their own thing, and that's sort of been out. So those are like their big games, and they need other stuff to fill out the lineup because their their Western devs aren't just put out the uh, the the one Marvel game last year. There's mm-hmm. like no Tomb Raider games coming out. There's like that. Uh, that's mm-hmm. as far as we know. Maybe they'll announce it. Well, we saw a Star Ocean that's coming out this year, I think. Mm-hmm. They got other stuff coming out, and a Star Ocean game needs to be delayed to next year. Yeah. It did not look good at all when they mm-hmm. showed that. Uh, so there's definitely a lot, of, a lot of stuff there, but they're at least getting stuff out there. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game is out this year, and I haven't seen it since they announced it last year. Mm-hmm. So good luck with that, Square. So yeah, I'm curious to see uh, some more of these games. Mm-hmm. And see them get dates instead of just uh, 2022. All right. 
Yeah. But, uh, Again, it, it just goes back to what I said about, you know, Square Enix and the Japanese property coming out in the same year that it's announced. So, again, don't know what to expect, but uh, it'll be interesting to see, mainly because um, I think part of the reason why they did this is because um, COVID hit Japan significantly harder than most uh, video game-making territories, mainly because in Japan, like, the it is traditional and, you know, um, expected to actually go to work. And when you have the IPs that, you know, Square Enix, Nintendo, um, you know, Konami, uh, all these other uh, Japanese uh, studios have, you know, well, if you're sitting in a, in a full train and doing your work and all of a sudden, like, someone behind you sees what they're doing and tweets about it, you're fucked. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully with things improving, uh, we'll, we'll definitely see more stuff coming out of the Japanese studios. And uh, it's good that um, Sony decided to have the state of play, like, not really exclusively dedicated to these Japanese um, places, but um, it's, it, it's, it shows that, you know, we're, everyone's still doing work. Like, even though it slowed the industry down a good amount, like, there's still a bunch of good work being done everywhere. I mean, you have Elden Ring doing as well as, as it is on on every platform, you know, outselling uh, Horizon and, and, and Pokemon and all that, so... Yeah, it's uh, it's good to see, and it's good to see that the gaming industry is, you know, finally catching. Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, this will do it for the show this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Hopefully, some more good stuff here. But mm-hmm. uh, until then, I'd like to thank Dan Reb and uh, Brandon for joining this week. Always. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new show. And if you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family and select uh, strangers know mm-hmm. that uh, they should check it out. And uh, we will enjoy seeing more people listen. So mm-hmm. thank you all for listening. We will see you all next week. Have a good one.